Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Virtually Legal. We are so excited to have you and we have some really exciting stuff that we're going to talk through today. So my name is Molly. My name is Abby. And today we are going to be talking to you guys about non-legal work experience, how to make the most out of it and how to really hone in and pull out those transferable skills that you can then chat about in your applications. So today in the studio, which is my bedroom, (laughs) We are going to be chatting to Sophie Warren from Legally Run um, because she's written so many blog posts about this kind of thing. She's so knowledgeable on the area. But I'll hand it over to Sophie to introduce herself and what she gets up to a little bit more. Hi both. Thank you very much for inviting me to be on this episode of the podcast. Um, My name is Sophie and I am a law graduate. I went to the University of Birmingham. Um, I studied law with French law, so I also did a year abroad, which we will talk about in more detail later. Um, I then went on to complete the LPC part-time whilst working as a paralegal as well. Um, and I have experience in family law and also commercial law and in the future I would like to be an international commercial lawyer. Nice so can you tell us a bit more about Legally Run because I think that's where that's where I kind of know you from that's where I was like first introduced your profile and stuff. Yeah, so a lot of people do recognise me as Legally Run. So Legally Run is my Instagram page and legal blog that I set up um, around about a year and a half ago now. Um, So I actually set up the Instagram page um, when I decided to run 10 half marathons for breast cancer now. Um, And I wanted to market my running challenge to as many people as possible because I had a fundraising target to hit and I knew that if I didn't market, it, I wouldn't necessarily meet the target so that's why I set up the um, social media page and it all sort of stemmed from there really I was documenting my running and my training but then I also wanted to show what I did apart from running which was obviously working in a law firm completing my LPC um, and also doing other sports such as netball and tennis Um, And then it sort of expanded from there really Um, and I had lots of networking opportunities, I met lots of nice people through various organisations and it's just a platform really to show what being an aspiring lawyer is like, like having other interests outside of law, um, how you can use social media to grow your professional network. Um, So yeah, that's sort of legally run in a nutshell really. Can I ask what time span you ran your 10 half marathons in? Um, It was over seven months. Um, So I had, some of them were spread out, some of them weren't. So for example, in the March, I had three half marathons (gasps) one week after each other. And I also had all of my core LPC exams. Wow, that is hardcore. Oh my God. That actually makes me want to throw up. Like, I don't think I could do that. <laughs> yeah, it was quite tough. I definitely had to be disciplined with every aspect of my life during those times. Did you... Sorry, this is a bit of a tangent, but did you enjoy your running before the half marathons? Or was... <laughs> no, yeah, I did. So I've always, be, always been into my sport. Um, when I was younger, though, ironically, I didn't like running. I was always a swimmer. And then when I was at school, um, there was this competition challenge to run um from coast to coast across the country and I really wanted to do it so um I started like running around my village which which was about 10 minutes um to prepare myself for the audition um and I actually didn't get in and I was absolutely gutted because I was like the second girl to finish um and then ever since then I've just carried on running because it's free um it's really easy to fit into your day 
and I also really enjoy being outside and it's a really good stress relief for me. So I have, I did like running before, but I was never a runner when I was younger. So I think it definitely shows that perseverance is key and if you, if it, you know, if you carry on, it will pay off. But anyway, let's go back onto non-legal work. <laughs> Although running and training for a half marathon does have lots of transferable skills that I'm sure we can pick up on later. Um, but non-legal work experience, I guess it's sort of that thing that everyone doesn't really, I reckon at the start, really know what to do with on their application because it's sort of next to legal work experience seems like such a meh, like, I can't think of the right word, but meh is all I've got right now. Um, yeah, like when I first wrote a CV, it's definitely something that I just put at the bottom as kind of like a little add-on and it was in like bullet points and it was really small and kind of hidden away like I that's definitely how I thought of it to start with and then I'd say as I've come to the end of my applications I now like kind of can't do something at the pub without thinking oh my god how would I use this situation in an application <laughs> which is probably really tragic yeah. and it's like funny to see how I've like progressed in that way and my like mindset towards it has kind of changed I think until you really understand what skills you can gain from it, I think it is really difficult to know how you would use any non-legal work experience because obviously a lot at university you're told, you know, you need to get legal work experience um, and you're not really told that much about non-legal work experience. So, yeah, I think until you really understand it, I think it is difficult to know when and why to use it. And it's the non-legal work experience that the majority of people have because exactly. even if you're a law student and you are aspiring to be a solicitor commercial solicitor first of all commercial work experience is very very hard to get second of all people need money and that's where you get your money from mm. and you learn it's to be able to not go for, have a part-time job is a privilege yeah yeah definitely I think because at the end of the day when you're a lawyer you know it's a people like business job yeah. profession yeah so you're dealing with people like even if you're dealing with a business like you will de be dealing with a person so I think it's so important to actually know how to get on with people and how to communicate with them and if you've never had you know a part-time job or you've never been in the situation where you actually had to deal with someone you know how will you deal with that in a legal environment it's yeah I think it's so important it's a good like dealing with like snotty people in a pub is like a perfect training ground for dealing with like snotty business people later on and you're so right like I, I honestly just think it should be compulsory for everyone to have <laughs> a minimum wage job at some point in their life and My just be like thrown in at the deep end and develop these skills because we were talking about like okay what actually can you extract from say a job in a pub or a shop and there's literally so much like communication skills um talking to like those really friendly people those people that might have allergies um children the really horrible people that just want to complain the whole time and you're not allowed to shout back at them mm. um even though some of them deserve it yeah <laughs> the ability to work as a team like working in really high pressure environments like Sophie and I were both talking about the eat out to help out scheme was manic mm -hmm. and like trying to deliver really good customer service even though you're under so much pressure yeah. and then just having like problem solving skills like what do you do if you've like like someone's still sat on a table and the next table arrives and like how do you kind of juggle that? 
Yeah, definitely. I think there's so many skills that you can learn, like definitely all of those which you said. And then the ones that I can think of are like project management skills. So say if you had to run the bar by yourself or you had to run the restaurant by yourself. Um, And then, you know, analytical skills as well, sort of analysing large amounts of information. Say if someone gives you about 10 orders at once and being able to digest all that information and relay it again. Um, yeah, there's so many skills that you can acquire through working in a pub. I think part-time jobs really, like, take these skills and just bring them to their absolute basics. And it's often quite easy to actually, like, find really useful examples. So let's say you were thinking about, okay, like, how do I prioritise my workload? In a pub situation, it's easy to pull out examples. So let's say, like, I, like I've just given a table all of their food and I've realised they don't have any cutlery and then the table behind says oh could I please have some ketchup like <laughs> you can quite quickly work out in your head that the people with no food cutlery. that's getting cold in front of them <laughs> need cutlery but that's an example of like juggling people about in your list of things to do yeah definitely um, but I always find stuff like that hard because in my head personally it's one of those things that I, at the, when I'm doing my applications, don't feel the need to bring up because I'm like, isn't that just like common sense and common knowledge that you, does that sort of make sense? So it's like, I don't know if that's not being able to like self-actualise what you're doing. I Yeah, what, I, I do get where you're coming from. Like, I think half of it is common sense, but then also if you have a massive long list of things to do yeah. and, and everything is important to that customer or, or the kitchen says that everything is urgent, it's them being able to prioritise what is most urgent, what is most important, what needs to be done, what can wait a few minutes. Um, because ultimately when you're a trainee or you're a paralegal or you're working in a law firm, everything will be urgent and everything will need to be done ASAP and it's understanding what is really urgent like what are the consequences if I don't do this right now um or what can wait a few minutes so I get where you're coming from like it definitely is common sense but then it's also sort of analyzing the consequences of okay what if I don't if I don't do this now what will happen yeah and then and then just like you said Sophie if, I think if you just give the example and say, oh, this one time I gave someone cutlery before I gave another person <laughs> ketchup, like, yeah, that sounds really <laughs> stupid. But when you kind of say it a bit like Sophie did and talk about things like consequences, it just, it shows that you understand, like, the idea of prioritising. And I think that's the most important bit over having a really, like, fancy and impressive example yeah. is understanding, like, the thought yeah. process that would go into it and are you someone that's going to be able to deal with three emails coming in at once on a Friday afternoon and all of them are titled urgent? Yeah, definitely. But like, besides part-time jobs, there's, there's so much more that you can pull on in an application from like sports teams, societies. Um, were you guys part of any like team societies, groups, anything like that at uni? Um, so at university, I was part of the triathlon team. Um, which I really, really enjoyed. It was a great way to not only meet people, but I'd like to say develop your teamwork skills, and it does to a certain extent, um, but triathlon is a strange one because it's indi- they're individual sports, but then you work as a team. So I guess in terms of the skills that you'd acquire from that, it's recognising the role that you play within a wider environment, like how your performance can affect 
everyone else. Um, so, and I think as well, it really develops like your own self-awareness and the ability to like push yourself to recognize your areas of weakness and how you can improve on them. Um, so aside from diving into a swimming pool, riding a bike and running, there were other aspects that of triathlon as well. Yeah, I also did lacrosse, mixed lacrosse and a little bit of lacrosse women's across but I'd never done it before I went to uni so it was a whole new kettle of fish for me but um that was exciting I ended up being mixed captain in second year so sort of progression and building upon your own skills and just being as being like mixed captain being aware of everyone else's skills as well where people need to be who needs to be on who needs to be off the court pitch at the time wow because <laughs> I used to play netball when I was in school and I yeah. got it out of my head <laughs> Molly, you did um, women's lacrosse, didn't you? You're in the number my, one. My like life at uni was lacrosse. <laughs> it's like like when I write about it on the applications, I, I get tired of how much I talk about lacrosse because I was like in the team, on the committee, I umpired. Like I just felt like it like took over everything. But then within that, going back to like transferable skills, it's really good not just to say. I'm really good at teamwork but to like go beyond that and say something like and I'm really good at working at different roles within teams and being able to like um like change up my communication depending on who I'm talking to in that team like you know Abby if you're the captain and like I used to be so impressed by our captains if we were in the middle of a really hard match and they just like pull out this inspiring speech and I'm (laughs) like where the hell did that come from (laughs) but being able to like really g people up is such a skill in itself um so I I think yeah altering your communication to who you're talking talking to and being able to work within different roles being like on the receiving end of information or whether you're like as an umpire whether I'm like giving information and instruction um yeah just moving beyond just saying I was in a team but yeah for for, for me because I didn't really know much about mixed crossing first year and then second year I was captain and as mixed captain you have to run the training sessions for mixed lacrosse and obviously I wasn't the best lacrosse player at all but actually learning about how to think about strategically think strategic strategically <laughs> think about a lacrosse game then also plan a lacrosse training session and actually pick up on different skills but it's important to realize that law firms also want you to show that you have interests outside the law and I think part-time job societies and sport also shows that so like yeah. societies wise like I'm I've done pro bono first and second year and then I'm pro bono chair next year but just to be also that's obviously law related as well so that's like a hard one because I always find that's a society role but within law did any either of you two do any societies so I again I was did a lot of pro bono when I was at university so I was involved in quite a few um of the projects because I went to Birmingham as well oh yeah nice yeah so big up Birmingham um yeah so I was involved in quite a lot of the pro bono um projects there I was also a member of the French language society um but for me I think I, because of the, like, law with French law, it was quite intense, um, and with my triathlon as well, I probably balanced, like, my studies and my sport 
more than sort of like societies. Um, so I'd say that actually now I'm graduated, I'm probably part of more societies than I was at university. <laughs> <laughs> I think like, I think the important thing with transferable skills, I was, I was just thinking about it in my head and perhaps where people go wrong is not understanding what makes a skill transferable. And that's like not only picking something that you've done that like shows where you're really good at communicating, but also appreciating why being really good at communicating or why like being able to work in a team is going to be really vital for you as a trainee or going forward. So like, for example, if you are wanting to do a training contract, you're going to probably have to do four or more six months rotations so you really need to be able to like integrate yourself very quickly and start working quite seamlessly and if you can say yeah I joined university um I settled into a team and then by the next year I was like I was I was the captain or I was something like that really shows that you're able to really integrate yourself into a team and then it's also that next step of understanding why that's even important and I think that's where you'll be able to elicit what skills are important and do you need to emphasize in your applications yeah definitely i remember at the start of this lovely lockdown i was just got back from canada obviously a very big juxtaposition between being out in canada by myself to then being in my family home 24 hours a day but i actually came across one of sophie's um blogs on year abroad um but sophie i just wanted to know I, I know you went to Bordeaux, I believe, and obviously yeah. you had to develop your language skills. That's something that I didn't necessarily do. But what would you say, obviously, for um, firms, obviously there's a difference between international and national firms um, that year abroad can be beneficial for? Yeah, so I think year abroad are beneficial definitely when doing training contract applications but again it's how you talk about them that's important so if you're applying to a national law firm for example you don't want to say you know my year abroad confirmed that I want to be an international lawyer because obviously they're a national law firm so they might not necessarily um you know have international clients or have well have in, um, international offices so when you're applying to a national law firm you could still talk about your year abroad but you would have to then utilize the skills that you acquired on your year abroad so you know for example problem solving skills or adapting to a different environment and how you'd be able to adapt to a legal environment during your training contract and also in terms of a national law firm some of them do have like a best friends network or like world service services group for example where they do um work with you know international councils so you can draw on your year abroad in terms of that aspect um but I think you need to make sure that you don't dive in and say I want to be this hotshot international lawyer because I've done a year abroad it just you probably won't even get past the first stage of the application um I think so that's in terms of national law firms and then international law firms I think that definitely has a completely different approach because if you are seeking you know like multi-jurisdictional work with the opportunity to do an international secondment or meet clients abroad um, or use your language skills then a year abroad 
really does provide evidence for why you want to be an international lawyer. Um, you've already already shown that you've immersed yourself into the international community. You know, you've put yourself out there. You've gone to live in a different country. You've learned about a different legal system. You can speak another language. Um, you can then show to that law firm that you will be a valuable asset in cross-border transactions, not only because of your ability to speak another language, but also because of your ability to be able to communicate and understand different cultures. Um, so I think with an international law firm, I think you really can hammer down on the fact that your year abroad made you want to be an international lawyer. I feel like we've actually covered so much in the last like 20 odd minutes. I know, same. <laughs> Literally so much content in that. I think to not like overwhelm our listeners and have them going away thinking oh my god I need six part-time jobs seven society roles I need to be in five sports teams and I need to run 11 half marathons just to beat <laughs> Sophie um I think the, like <laughs> yeah I'm gonna go like across the UK twice Sophie just to let you know <laughs> okay noted <laughs> I, I think like the important thing coming out of it when you're talking about transferable skills a lot of it comes down to choosing often like the right transferable skills and talking about them in the correct way yeah yeah definitely you need to definitely tailor your application and your skills to the firm um I think it's good to sort of have an experience write out all the skills you've acquired look at the firm and then highlight the ones which are relevant um because like you said each firm will have different values or different outlooks um and they want you to show why and how you achieve them yeah and at the end of the day like like you don't have to see this whole thing as a massive chore either like the great thing about non-legal work experience is it genuinely just makes you more interesting as well a well-rounded person yeah non-legal work experience is a really great way to like showcase your personality and prove that you're someone that like these people can work with five days a week or more like really long hours and it's not like a chore for them also to be in your presence (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and also they don't necessarily expect you to be well they don't expect you to be born a baby lawyer you know you're not going to be expected to know the ins and outs of like I don't know a private equity transaction so like they just want to see if you have the potential to be a lawyer like that and you know and non-legal work experience definitely shows that thank you so much to sophie for coming on and chatting with us today learning how to extract the correct skills and talk about them in the right way is probably one of the most crucial parts of law firm applications Having legal work experience is a luxury, but non-legal work experience is a lot easier to come by and, if used in the right way, can be just as beneficial. Remember to analyse the skills you're gaining from non-legal work experience and think about how these could be used in a legal setting and why they might be important. And then always remember to align your skills with the values of the firm that you're applying to to show why you'd be a good fit for them.